Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the United Pentecostal Church of Paris. So wonderful to see all the beautiful and handsome faces here tonight. And for those of you that don't fit into that category, it's good to see you too. Oh, I, I mean, no, 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 sorry, I, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I didn't mean that. No, no. We have a few announcements we're going to make before service begins tonight. Tonight, everybody say six o'clock. It's youth service. Congratulations, you made it. It's youth Sunday. We're all grateful that you're here. Tomorrow, the 20th, is the Ladies United Fellowship. The sign-up for that is in the foyer, so make sure you get signed up tonight if you're not. And then the 23rd is Tanner and Kylie's wedding shower. So that's at the Family Life Center at 6.30 p.m. They're a really great couple. I love them. The 25th. The 25th is a crew cookout at the Family Life Center. I believe we have a little slide for it tonight. It's at 5 p.m., and the sign-up sheet is in the foyer for that, and it says to pay $5 to Sister Kyron Hamner. So make sure, and I believe the age group is 39 to 59, so that really awkward middle age gap. So that those people, y'all, y'all are there, the 39 to 59. Make sure to get signed up for that, though. I know that's going to be an awesome time. And then the 26th is your monthly mission pledge deadline. So make sure to get that turned in if you have not already. And then the online registration for Ladies Joy Conference is open. And it's right there on that slide. It's a wonderful time. I've heard great things every year from all the women that have gone. And so women, make sure to get get signed up for that. And so the online registration is already open. If you would, let's stand. And let's praise the Lord tonight. Nothing more, nothing less than that. Let's just praise the Lord tonight. Let's give Him everything that we have. Everything that He is deserving of. Amen. Let's have some church. Oh 
calling to know that absolutely no enemy can have a hold of you. Absolutely none. That is probably one of the most powerful things. And if something could beat that, that is more powerful, it has to be the reason that no enemy can hold you down. And that's simply the name of Jesus and what he did. Um, I had something really cool happen that I wanted to share with you guys. I, I have this friend, right? And I would consider him probably one of my closest friends. Someone used the term best friend, and I do call him that all the time. Um, and the cool thing about this person is he, he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in anything, really. He's an atheist. He, but he's such a different type of person where people just enjoy being around him. Um, and he, he knows that this is my lifestyle. He knows that this is what I live. He knows that I've made deliberate decisions because of it, and he's still, like, wants to be my best friend, and I can genuinely say I love him so much. Um, and it was really cool because we were on the way home from a trip, and all of a sudden this church just came up, and I've had a few girls just come with me, um, and he's just taken notice of that. And he told me, and he was like, Stevie, this, this whole thing right here, this is not what I believe. And he said, but the thing about me is I respect what people believe. Like, if they have a belief and they stick to it, that's what I respect. And he was just talking to me about it. And he's, he's been here once to come and support some of our friends that were singing and doing a speech. And he looked at me and he said, a cool thing that I've seen about this church is that all of our friends that have come, they have left changed. Remind you, this, this is someone that doesn't believe in God, that doesn't go weekly, maybe bi-weekly like we do to a church service. But he came up and told me, every time that somebody comes here, they change. And then he mentioned, he went on further, and he said, the people that I've only met a couple of times, they have changed so many lives, but not only that, they've changed mine. And that's the God we serve. We serve a God who is so tangible and so evident in every single area of our lives. And if you allow yourself, he will work through you in the people's lives that don't even believe in him, because that's how good of a God he is. And a cool thing that he said is, this is a place of change. And he acknowledged that. And he said, if I, if I can come here and I can feel something different, that's saying something. Yeah. Not acknowledging that any of this is real, not acknowledging it, but simply the terms, I felt something in this place changes things. That's important. That matters. That's right. And it's cool because the whole concept of change is hard. That is a hard thing. Right. And a lot of us, we may have prayer requests. My prayer request for two years has been that person. But sometimes God doesn't change the circumstance. He changes us. Amen. Because a lot of the times, the decisions that I had to make that changed me allowed for my friend to see that. So maybe you're praying for something. Maybe you're praying for a specific person and you're not seeing any change happen. But that's just because that God needs to change you first in order for you to change that circumstance. Amen. Because that's the whole thing about the Holy Spirit. It changes us so we can change others. It's for us to spread. It's for us to change. It's for us to show people this is the real deal. And I will forever be so thankful that even though change is hard, it is so necessary. And that God was willing to change things up a bit just so we didn't have to make rituals and sacrifices anymore that he became the only one. If he was willing to make that change... He'll certainly change us a bit. That way he can get some more in his kingdom. So today, I would like to list these prayer requests uh, for Sister Renee Flowers, Sister Shirley Hansen, Matt Amber Thomas, uh, Tony Bowden, Kaylee Giberson, Alexis Trawick, 
brother and sister, uh, Bonnie, Renenda Hines, Tommy Shelton, Kelly Ralou, Charles Fleming, Alex Stevens, Lois Weems, Jonathan Crawford, Miller Gamberry, Rex Foster, Bob Bolton, Billy Bolton, Carrie Grant, brother and sister Donato, brother and sister Proctor, Nelson and Missy Miller, Steve Gibbs, Loretta Edwards, brother and sister Bristow, George and Miller Pratt, Megan Martins, Dylan Melvin, and if I could ask you guys to pray for another friend of mine who just suffered a family loss, just for strength for that family. Because it's so undeniably cool and awesome whenever you pray the prayer, God make me your vessel, your kingdom come, your will be done, because you will see change. So that's what I pray for these people today. Lord, I thank you for every opportunity to be here. I thank you for the people that you've put in our lives. I thank you for the change that you've brought in order for us to change others. I pray for all of these people, for your love to transform, for your kindness and your mercy to take them up and follow you to their kingdom.
have the tradition of like every Sunday coming here, go to our same spot in our pew, lift our hands a certain way, this way, this way, however you like. But uh, I feel like it's pretty easy to get into that tradition. So I feel like for this next song, just give God whatever praise you feel like he deserves. You don't have to be rolling on the ground. If you want to, go ahead. But just give God the praise that you feel like he deserves and get out of your tradition, get out of what you usually do, get out, get a little uncomfortable. And if you have a need, if you want something, God will do that. He will, he will gift you that. He will bless you with that. So if the ushers would make their way up to the front, I'll pray over it. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for what you did this morning, God. I ask, Lord, that you would bless the giver, God, and that you would anoint Brother Stephen, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. In Jesus' name. It was my cross you bore, so I could live in the freedom you died for. And now my life is yours, and I will sing of your goodness forevermore. Worthy is your You deserve the praise Worthy is your name Worthy is your name Jesus You deserve my praise Worthy is your name
right there in that vein for a moment right now. Give Him glory and give Him praise in this place tonight. God, you have no rival. You have no equal. Now, now, and forever, God, you reign. You will reign in my life today. God, you're going to reign in my life tomorrow. God, you're going to reign. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but I, God, I know that when I get there, you will reign. I know you will have control. I know you still will have no rival. I know you still will have no equal. God, I believe in you. God, I trust in you. I give you everything tonight, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He's here in the house. I didn't have to tell you that, though. Jesus' name. Before we get started, I wanted to first acknowledge our youth praise team. Give them a hand. You will more than likely have youth pastors that are better preachers than me. But you'll never have some that will love your, your youth group more than I do. I love this youth. I love our young people. <laughs> I love you. Man, let's get into it. But tonight, I wanted to talk to you. Knowing and letting you know that you hold power. But hold on before you say amen to that because I wanted to talk about power in the sense that you have the power tonight to decide what direction you go. That you have the power to remain right where you are, unchanged, and to continue living in the state that you're living in right now. And so as I say that, you can think about where you are, what you're going through, what state your life is in. You have the power to choose to stay in it and walk out these doors completely unchanged. You have the power to do that, but you also have the power to choose tonight to draw near to God, to come out of your darkness and into his marvelous light to draw near to the God who has the power to heal to deliver to to restore to transform I I can't make you do it I can't make the choice for you but I can stir you I can try to inspire you but the choice is going to be made by you and you alone and so it remains tonight up to you what you will do with your power what you are going to do with the rest of this week, what you're going to do. If you're weary, if you are hurting, if you are looking for comfort and for rest, God is here tonight to provide it if you want it. And so before we get started, we could take a moment to close every eye, lift every hand, and just to feel after the Spirit tonight, to feel after God tonight, because God is moving. God has an intention tonight. God has a will. God has a purpose And I don't want to let it go by me and not be a part of it. But God, if you have something for me tonight, 
want to find it. God, if you're wanting to speak a word to me tonight, I want to hear it. If you're wanting to plant a seed of hope tonight, God, I want to receive it. God, whatever you are doing in this place, God, whatever you are doing in your kingdom, God, let me be a part of it. Let us be a part of it. Let revival begin in this church here tonight. Let us be a spark, God, that brings revival to our city, to our schools, to our families, to our workplace. God, work in us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God. We're going to find our scripture in Judges it's 15 and 12, and then I'll, you can be seated after that. I'm aware you've been standing for a little while, but I'll be standing longer, so it's okay. That is going to be in Judges 15, 12 through 15. And if I can find a way to preach on Samson, I'm going to do it. He's, he's my favorite character. Is there something about it? Just manly, just, oh, Samson. And so I like it. And so uh, this won't be the first time I've preached on Samson, and this, I guarantee it won't be the last. And so, but here it's a, it's a version of the story that I've never, God revealed it to me recently that it really changed the way I looked at part of the story that seems minute and it seems small and insignificant, but it changed me as I read it. And I hope tonight it, you allow it to change you. As well, that it says here in verse 12, then they said to him, We have come down to bind you so that we may hand you over to the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Well, swear to me that you will not kill me. So they said to him, No, but we'll bind you tightly and give you into their hands, but we certainly will not kill you. So then they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him so that the ropes that were on his arms were like flax that has burned with fire and his restraints dropped from his hands. Then he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. So he reached out with his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. You may be seated. Where in the world are you going with this, could you have read a little bit more? No. The title of the message tonight is Into the Hands of the Anointed. Into the Hand of the Anointed. You see, in our scripture in Judges 15, you find Samson, he's in a predicament that right before that, He's, he's butting heads with the Philistines. He's butting heads with the people that were oppressing and taxing and making the lives of the Israelites miserable. And the Israelites, they, they lived in fear of the Philistines and they didn't like to rock the boat any. They didn't like to do anything that would come up against the Philistines because they were scared of them. They didn't like any trouble. But then there's Samson who really likes to rock the boat. And really likes to cause trouble. So right here in our scripture, Samson has decided that he wants to marry a Philistine woman. But there's a falling out. And the father of the bride then gives what would have been Samson's wife to Samson's best friend. And they get married instead. Now, I'm not a perfect friend. but I'm pretty sure that's against bro code. I'm pretty sure that that's not, we wouldn't be friends anymore 
at that point. And so Samson, uh, understandably, is quite upset. And so he does what all of us would do in that moment. And he finds 300 jackals and he ties them together by their tails. And he puts torches in between their tails and sends them out into the fields to burn all the Philistines' crops and vineyards. Wouldn't we all? And so that's what he does. And he, so, so now the Philistines are upset. And so they retaliate by going and they, they end up killing the woman that Samson was going to marry and her father. That they, they burn them and kill them. So Samson didn't appreciate that. So he retaliates and it says that he smites them hip and thigh is what scripture says. Has any parent ever used that term before? So what that means, as I looked it up, that hip and thigh is talking about that if you look at the meat of an animal, that the thigh meat, that there's, if like a chicken thigh, there's a lot more meat there, right? That's the good stuff. But then on the hip, there's not quite as much. It's not really any good meat. So what it's saying there is that he basically beat them good or bad. He, he didn't care what it was. He beat them up one side and down the other. He didn't care who it was, but he was whooping somebody. And so he comes down there and he does all of that. And it says that he slaughtered them and smites them hip and thigh. And so they're in this back and forth and Samson is warring against the oppressors of his people. And Samson is now, he's gone on to live at the top of the rock of Edom. And now here, Samson's own people, the Israelites, it's, he's of the tribe of Dan, but the tribe of Judah, 3,000 of these men come up to him, and they're scared of the Philistines, and they're saying, hey, listen, we're, don't you know that the Philistines, that they, they have control over us, don't you know what you're doing is causing a lot of trouble for us, why, we're, we're just going to bind you, and we're just going to take you to them, okay, because we don't want any more trouble, we don't want any more trouble so we're going to turn you over to the Philistines and so a cool thing here is if you ever hear that the Old Testament is types and shadows of the New Testament you see the parallels and you see the comparisons know that it's true because some cool knowledge here And if you like to geek out over Bible stuff like me is Judah the tribe that turns over Samson to the Philistines the, the ones that turn over their liberator, their savior over to the enemy. Is the word Judah is a Greek form of the word Judas. That Judas is the Greek form of the word Judah. And so we see that in the Old Testament of Judah turning over their savior and their liberator over to the enemy. And then you jump to the New Testament where you see Judas turning on their savior, their liberator, Jesus, and handing him over to the enemy. So you see here that the people are always the problem. You see here that's a little nugget for you if you like a little bit of biblical knowledge. But so here the Israelites have come and they've bound Samson here and they've taken him to the Philistines. And it says when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him. They were excited. They were pumped. They see the one that's causing them all of this trouble. They see the one that's supposed to liberate the people. They see the one, and he's bound, and they see that victory is in hand. And they're celebrating, and they're shouting. But then it says, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. It looked like there was no way out. But then the Spirit of the Lord. It looked like it was hopeless. But the spirit of the Lord, the enemy was already shouting, but then God 
moved. See, it doesn't matter if you are at rock bottom. It doesn't matter if you're on your last leg. It doesn't matter if your back's against the rope. When God moves, things change. When God moves, there is victory. And I know there are people in this place tonight under the sound of my voice that hell is already shouting and celebrating about your downfall. That there are people here tonight that can hear hell shouting and rejoicing about your marriage failing and falling apart. There are people in here tonight who can hear hell already shouting and rejoicing over your family falling apart. But bad news, devil, God's about to move. And when God moves, what was meant for evil is now going to be turned for good. That sometimes all you need is a move of God. If you are struggling, if you are hurting, when God moves, you're going to come out. Sometimes all we need is just a private prayer meeting. Sometimes all we need is just to put our headphones in, turn on some worship music, and have a move of God. Recently, I experienced this. I've, I've been trying to work out and... So I had my headphones in and I, I felt overwhelmed in my, in my mind. I felt chaotic. And so I put on some slow worship music to work out to. And so I'm in the gym and I'm, trying, and I'm lifting weights and I'm listening to just, and just getting a good pump going. But as I was doing that, and there's probably four people in the gym, God began to move. And I was like, this is, this is going to get weird. And then so I'm like, okay, I don't want to look crazy. I can't be like over there. So I tried to move off to a corner to where we have some weight plates stacked up. And I kind of go over there and I just begin to pray and I begin to speak in tongues. But God moved in a place that I didn't think was going, he was going to move. But I needed him to move. And you ask, well, did it work? Well, I'm here right now. So yes, it did. But I tell you what, that if you need something, if you need anything, if you are struggling, if you are hurting, if you feel bound, if you feel like the enemy is already shouting and rejoicing about you losing and you falling down, all you need is a move of God. And honey, God's moving tonight. That God is moving in this house. That God began moving the second the music started. God is going to move all night long. And when you come to the altar tonight, by the way, it's already open. God is going to move and you are coming out of your situation. You are coming out of where you are because we serve the same God tonight that moved on Samson. And he's moving now. But all we need to do is allow him to move in our life. And then it says that he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. A freshly died out jawbone of a donkey, not honestly the, the weapon of mass destruction I would have chosen. But we'll get there in a second. So, you know, I understand. I'm not clearly getting it now. He was wondering why I walked in here with this. Now, I understand this is a little smaller than a donkey, but weirdly enough, not a lot of people have donkey jawbones. But good enough, my family's got some deer jawbones laying around. And so I was, one, I was like, oh, we might be a redneck. <laughs> I was like, hey, Papa, do you have a deer jawbone by chance? He's like, yes, four. <laughs> got it. And so here we are. But, <laughs> but when you look, and there's a thousand enemies ready to kill you. And then you look here. 
It doesn't look like it could do the job. It doesn't look like it should be the weapon of choice. But you see, the tool doesn't actually matter. But the hand holding it does. That we've talked about it before. I talked about it a few Youth Sundays back. That I can get on the keyboard and I can play all I want, but it's not going to sound very good. Because my hands are not capable. But if my wife gets on the piano, if my wife gets on the keyboard, then music begins to happen because the capable hands are beginning to play. You see, the jawbone never mattered. Moses' staff never mattered. The fish and the loaves of bread in the disciples' hands never mattered. But it was the anointed hands that were holding it. That began to operate in the spirit and allowed miraculous to happen. And so what's happening here is God is saying, Samson, you can use your hands and kill all of these. You can use your hands and win. But I want to let people know that even the most unlikely can provide the miraculous when I am moving. When the anointed hand is moving, even the most unlikely tool can slay a thousand. Even the most unlikely person can start a revival. Even the most unlikely person can be used to reach their city because the tool doesn't matter. But the hand holding it does. And that hand is here tonight outstretched saying, come to me. If you're tired, come to me. If you're struggling, come to me, and I will give you rest. I will give you strength. I will give you what you and your world need. But that instrument, that tool, it never would have been there if the donkey hadn't first died. That's the dark part. That that's not the pleasant part, but it, not for the death of the old life that it was associated with, with that instrument, that tool for the miraculous, for that triumph, it never would have been in the right location to be used. It had to have died first. See, death is not pleasant, neither physical or, or spiritual. That dying it requires a vulnerability, a, a letting go, a, an obedience, whether it's physically or spiritually moving from one state to the other. And you see, this donkey, I don't know the life, whatever it lived before, I, I don't. I don't know, but what I do know is that I can't imagine it, that it could picture or think about what kind of victory it was going to be a part of, or what miracle is about to be a part of, but it never happened until it died. That the old life that it was walking through, the old life that it was going through the fields, the old life that it was doing, what he thought was just normal, the miraculous could have never happened until death came first. That the greatest miracle that the donkey ever experienced came after death. See, death has to first take place. And I don't know all of your lives. I know some of your testimonies. I, but I don't, know, I don't know it all. But what I do know is no matter who you are, your greatest victory lies after the death of your flesh. That your greatest victory, your greatest miracle, the revival you're looking for lies beyond when you crucify your flesh. When you say, it's no longer what I want anymore. It's no longer my life anymore, but I'm dying out for God's purpose. That I'm dying out, that my old me doesn't exist anymore, but I'm going down and coming back up. A new creature. I'm waiting for the miracle that lies after I die out to the flesh, John 12, 24, 
through 26 says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The one who loves his life loses it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone who serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. After your old life is dead and gone, after your past, your mistakes, your old life has passed away, when the flesh is crucified and it's no longer your will but his, and you have placed yourself as a living sacrifice into the anointed hand of God, watch your life begin to change. Watch your situation begin to change. Watch your spiritual atmosphere begin to change because it's no longer your hand that you're operating by, but it's the anointed hand of God. Watch the doors open up for you. Watch the prayers begin to be answered. Watch what begins to change because you will be moving and operating according to the perfect will and the limitless ability of God as opposed to the flawed will and the limited ability of our carnal flesh. That is why dying out to flesh is an easy choice. That I'm tired of living in the filth that my flesh wants to stay in. That I'm tired of living in the stagnant mediocrity that my flesh wants to stay in. That I'm tired of living in the hopeless state of despair that my flesh wants to stay in. But I want a new life. I want a life of joy unspeakable and full of glory. That I want a life of peace that passes all understanding. I want a life that partners with the God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. And I know that that's not just me, but I want you to experience it too. So I'm talking about it. The choice is easy. But making the decision can be proved to be difficult. Sometimes that the death of our old life, of our flesh, of our sinful nature, it isn't often a pleasant experience, that it isn't often a glamorous experience, that it's human nature for us to want to hold on to our old life, to try and to control what we do and where we go. And you and I both know that where that just gets us. That Matthew 26, 41 says, keep watching and praying. So that you do not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That when you lean on your flesh that is weak, oftentimes it leads to self-inflicted wounds and troubles and hurts. And releasing control of this toxic relationship with your flesh is not always pretty. But if you want to be used by God to further his kingdom and to reach your world, it's necessary. Just like the death of the donkey in this story was more than likely not a pretty image. That the events leading to this death were probably not a pleasant experience. But it was necessary in order for the jawbone to be in the presence of Samson when he needed it. And what seemed to be the end of a life of an ordinary donkey is the birth of a brand new existence. A brand new ministry. A brand new calling of the jawbone. But like we talked about before that I don't believe that the tool was needed. I don't believe the jawbone was needed. But he chose it. 
we are all chosen. That you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are chosen. Are you needed? Who knows? But guess what? He chose you. That he has a purpose for you. He has something for you to do. And all you have to do is make sure you are in the presence of God. To be chosen. To be picked up. To be wielded. To be able to be used for the victory. That's why we gather here. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So that way he can say they don't have to come or to the tabernacle anymore. But I'm going to come to them and they can get in my presence at any moment. With a call on my name, I'm going to be there. Because in his presence, there is victory. In his presence, there are miracles. In his presence, you find your calling when you didn't know what you're supposed to do with your life. In his presence, everything becomes clear. And you become just an ordinary jawbone into a tool used for the miraculous. It's now a tool for triumph. It is now a vessel for victory. It is now a resource for revival. So without God, you and I can't do anything. That's not new. You probably didn't even know, need to know there's a scripture for that to know that. But John 15 and 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in them bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Like we talked about before, that it was never about the tool. It's about the one holding it. It's never about you and who you were. It's about who you're putting your life into. Whose hand are you putting your life into? Are you putting your hand into your life into the hand of the world or into the anointed hand of God? See, the jawbone was not the secret. But it was the anointed hand holding it. It was the spirit moving through it. See, you are not perfect. But the hand holding you is. That the hand of God is. And we're nothing without God. But when you place yourself in his hand, when you surrender your life into the hand of the anointed, you will become the tool to f facilitate the miraculous. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Living, past tense, happens every day. That if you were close to God a year ago, but you found yourself wavering and you found yourself away from it and you're wondering why you're not being used and you're wondering why you feel stagnant and you're wondering why, it's because it's in every day sacrifice that it's a living it's a current it's a breathing sacrifice that every day we wake up and say God what is your will God what do you want me to do God who do you want me to speak to God where are you wanting me to go because God I only want to go where you want me to go that I don't want to do anything on my own I want to don't want to do anything under my own will but God I want you to dictate everything in my life See, placing our life into the same hands that author and finish our faith, that's when things begin to change. That's when new life is found. That's when victory is won. That's when revival breaks out. And it's not because of you, but because the hand that holds you. The musicians could come. That hand isn't hard to find. That hand isn't hiding from you. 
that hand is reaching out tonight for anyone who's ready to say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. God, you can have my heart. God, you can have my life. God, I'm placing my life into your anointed hands to be used for your kingdom. God, what you want me to do, use me for it. God, what you, where you want me to go, God, take me with you. Where you. What you want to say, speak it through me. Who you want to touch, God, touch them through me. And if you truly mean it, God will use you. If you truly mean it, God will use you. But before you pray that prayer, I need you to make sure you, you really want it. Because if there's anybody out here who's been used by God before, knows that it's great. But it's not always easy. That the road of walking after Christ and that living for God, it's, it's a great road, but it's not without its bumps, that it's not without its scars, that it's not without its hurts. And we pray to be used by God, but oftentimes we don't like what that often entails and what comes with it. But when we allow ourselves to be placed into the hand of the anointed, when we allow ourselves to be a tool for an instrument, for the will of God, sometimes it feels like your life is being swung around. Feels like you're out of control. Feels like you're swinging. You feel like you don't know what's going on. You're crashing against things. You're colliding against enemies. And you're colliding against obstacles. And you feel like you're being taken advantage of. And you feel like people are always calling on you. And you don't understand why. And you're like, God, I don't understand why my life feels like this. God, I don't understand why I'm so tired. God, I don't understand why I feel so taken advantage of. I don't feel like why I'm feeling used. Because you are. That's what you prayed for. You prayed to be used as a tool, as an instrument, as if you know if you have a tool that you've used for a while that always gets the job done, it begins to get nicks and it begins to get scratches and begins to be used. It goes in different places so that we get tired and we get worn out. It's because we are being used like we had prayed for. Being used will come with hurts and trials. But you're going to experience the greatest victories that life can ever bring you, that your mind can ever imagine. Because placing my life into the hand of God to be used as your youth pastor has come with some of the greatest spiritual and mental battles I've ever faced. And I tell people sometimes say it's the best, hardest job I've ever had. That I've, I've hurt for myself and for, for you. I've wept for myself and for you. I've taken hits for myself and for you. But I also have felt joy unspeakable and full of glory that I've been able to see people pray through that I never thought would, that I begin to see things that I never thought I could see because yes, I took some hits. Yes, I felt like I was swung around a few times. Yes, I felt like I was being used, but thank God he was using me because I begin to see things I never thought I could see and it's all because I placed my life into his hand. 
It's a life I would never give back. It's a life that I want you to experience. And that's the life that God is calling each and every single one of you here tonight. You don't have to wear a suit to be called. You don't have to be born into a certain family to be called. You don't have to look a certain way to be called. You don't have to go to a certain school to be called. But you have to be willing to die out to your flesh. You have to be willing to get into his presence. You have to be willing to say, God, I'm willing to give out everything. To be used, whatever comes with it. The hurts, the struggles, God. It will be worth it. He's calling you to higher tonight. To deeper. He's calling you to more. If we could all stand up. That his hand is open tonight. And we can't afford to let another day go by without answering that call. Without placing ourselves into that anointed hand. Because... We never know how many days we have left and I don't want to pass him up and be one day too late. But you may be saying, but, but Brother Stephen, I've messed, I've messed up and you're going to find forgiveness in his hand. But I'm not, I'm not good enough, but in his hand you're going to be made complete and perfect. See, I've done a lot of things wrong. But one thing I've done right is place myself into the anointed hand of God. And if you're ready tonight, He's ready. And the way you do it is simple. If you look at Acts 2.38, the way you place yourself into His hand, into the anointed hand, and you take yourself out of the equation and you place yourself as a vessel and as a tool into the anointed hand of God as you repent. You turn away from sin. You turn away from the life that you used to live, the life that used to bring you hurts and struggles and weakness and shame. And you turn away and you begin to face a godly direction, a life towards Jesus Christ, a life towards redemption, a life towards forgiveness, a life towards glory. You repent and then you be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ and when you go down that you are dying out that you're going from what was the donkey and you are rising up as the jawbone as the tool for revival and the miraculous be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and when this happens you don't just have a title. You don't just have an item to put in your pocket now. But when you place yourself into his hand, his power becomes your power. Acts 1 and 8 says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto for me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea. Saying, listen, it's not just something you can get, but it's something you can take. It's something you can use. It's something that's going to make your life better. You getting the Holy Ghost and you being baptized in Jesus' name doesn't improve my life any. It improves yours. It doesn't improve anybody else but yours. And then it gives you the power to go out and to reach those people that you've been praying for. It goes, gives you the power to go out and reach the lost. It gives you the power to be used as a tool, as a vessel. You will have the power to overcome the struggles of life. 
that you will have the power to create change in your work, in your school, and in your family, but not just because you alone, but because of the anointed hand that's now holding you. So tonight, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, and if you feel like you're ready, tonight's your night. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost and evidence of speaking in tongues, and you feel like you're ready, tonight is your night. If you feel like you just need to recommit yourself to God and draw close to Him because you don't feel like you're as close as you need to be, tonight is your night. God's hand is open as these altars are open. And He's calling on you tonight. That this is a personal thing. That nobody can make this choice for you but you. But God, I give you everything of me. Because I need you to pull all of me out of darkness. I need to live in your marvelous light. So God, I give you all because you first gave me all. And I know I can't do this on my own. I know I can't reach my city on my own. I know I can't lead these young people on my own. So God, I'm taking myself out of it and I'm putting myself in your hand. Because I know your hand can do it. I know your hand is strong enough. I know your hand doesn't get tired. I know your hand doesn't get confused. I know your hand doesn't doubt. But God, your hand is perfect. So God, I give it all to you. God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. God, cast me not from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But God, let me be what you've created me to be and nothing less. Don't let me be wasted potential, God, because I did what I wanted to do. But God, let me be a vessel. Let me be a tool of you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah.
this place tonight. God is moving on the face of the deep tonight. Don't settle for less tonight. But settle for more. I am. 
I don't typically do this, but I'm going to be obedient. And what I want people, if you're still here, the, the adults that are here, I want you to link up with a young person where it's appropriate and to pray a prayer of faith and of strength over them. That there's battles that come against our young people. That there are struggles, that there is an attack from the enemy that rises up against this generation because it knows the potential of what this group even specifically is going to face and what they can stand up to be. And I believe when the church unifies tonight, when it unifies in this generation, that the elders, that the middle aged, and that the youth come together, that's where revival takes place. That's where change begins to take place. That's where we begin to make strides and things begin to change. And we no longer have just a move of God, but we begin to have a shift in the atmosphere where our trajectory is no longer where it used to be, but it begins to move toward heaven. It begins to move toward revival. It begins to move toward our calling. And so right now I pray that there is a strength that begins to pour into this place. That God, you are where our help comes from. You are the light, God. You are the lamp unto our path, God. You are the one that allows you direct our paths. You are the one that gives us the strength to make it another day. And God, I don't want to go a day without acknowledging you. I don't want to go a day without getting into your presence. I don't want to go a day without seeking your will. My world can't afford it anymore. My world can't afford an average service anymore. My world can't afford an average youth group anymore. But North Lamar needs revival. But Paris needs revival. But Prairie Land needs revival. But Chisholm needs revival. Our schools. Nothing less than my devotion. Speak to me, I will listen. Pour out on us. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. Love with no reservation. Change right here. Oh, 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 o
is where callings are realized right here. This is where prayers are answered right here. It's in the presence. You can have my heart. It's in the presence. There is nothing sweeter than your presence, God. There is nothing greater than your presence, God. You can have my heart. You can have my
So. 